Welcome to the Refuge Podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 1045, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. So our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Ephesians in the second chapter, verses 1 through 10. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to follow along. It'll also be on the screens behind me. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Hear the word of God. You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of flesh and senses, and we were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not the results of works so that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. This is the word of God for the people of God, and the people said, thanks be to God. Amen. So a number of years ago, I read a story that um, Newsweek magazine carried of the memorial service held for Hubert Humphrey, Hubert Humphrey, former vice president of the United States. And this was one of those big affairs. Hundreds of people came to tell him goodbye, including one who was virtually ignored by everyone there that day. And that was former president Richard Nixon. Not long before, he had gone through the shame and infamy of Watergate. And this was the first time that he had come back to Washington since his resignation from the presidency. Nobody really wanted to talk to him or be associated with him, and, and he sat all by himself. That was until something very special happened. Perhaps the only thing that could have made a difference and broken the ice, President Jimmy Carter, who at the time was in the White House, came into the room. And before he was seated, he saw Nixon sitting over there all by himself. And so he went over and he greeted him like he was family. He stuck his hand out and the two men unexpectedly embraced. And then Carter said to him, welcome home, Mr. President, welcome home. Newsweek magazine asserted if there was ever a turning point in Nixon's long ordeal in the wilderness, it was that moment of grace and kindness. Grace and kindness, this is the phrase that our scripture reading uses today. Every single one of us here in this room has had a moment in our life of grace and kindness, a moment when we did not deserve another to notice us, 
another to forgive us, another to respond graciously to us, and yet somehow they have. Maybe we were just at such a low point, maybe we were in this place where we felt very much ashamed for something that had happened. Maybe we had become a stranger even to ourselves. Whatever it was, within our stories, if we look through them, we will find those moments when we really didn't expect it, and there it was, when we'd wandered far from the path. You know, sometimes when we get into those spaces, we can feel rather desperate. We can feel isolated. We can feel that all is lost, that we have fallen so far, we can never rise up again. And then, by some miracle, God somehow always shows up in a small way, in a big way. The scripture lays it out pretty well. It says this, all of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of flesh and senses, and we were by nature children of wrath like everyone else, but God. But God, in his rich mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. I don't think it gets much more beautiful than that. Bishop Bob Morgan in his book, Who's Coming to Dinner, tells this story about a Dutch pastor and his family. They were, in the Second World War, people who hid Jews from the Nazis. And there really is only one penalty for that if you get caught, and that is sure and certain death. The pastor and his family became aware that someone had given away what they were doing, and so that night they heard these heavy boots coming up the stairs, and of course they were terrified, and it was followed immediately by a loud pounding on the door, and the pastor and his entire family, his wife, his children, were drug into the night and they were put on a train that was bound for one of the death camps. All night long, as the train made its way, the pastor and his family rode along in heartbreaking anguish, holding one another, loving one another, jostling against the other people who were also on the train. They had been stripped completely of their clothes. The only question really was which camp were they gonna end up in? And that they didn't know. Finally, the long night ended and the train came to a stop. And the doors of the cattle car were open and the light outside was bright and at first they couldn't see. They had prayed, they had resigned themselves to the unspeakable pain that was coming. They knew they would most likely be separated before reaching their death. But then... As their eyes began to adjust to the light, they realized something remarkable. They were led out of the train, they were lined up, but they were no longer in Germany, they were in Switzerland. During the night, through personal courage and daring, someone had tripped a switch and it had sent the train to Switzerland. And so they were now free. Those who came to them were not their captors, they were their liberators. Instead of being marched to death, they were being given new life. Now the pastor 
as you would imagine, is overwhelmed. And in the midst of his joy and his relief, looking at his family, he asks the question, what do you do with such a gift? I ask that same question to all of you here today. What do we do with such a gift? What do you do? What do I do? For all of us have been recipients of this gift of life. The ones who were bound for death in our sins, scripture says. But God, but God reached in the middle of all of that mess and picked us up and pointed us towards new life. Many, many generations ago, the Israelites wanted a way to celebrate all that God had done for them, the ways in which God had freed them from slavery, the ways in which God had redeemed them. And so they were given this opportunity by God to share their first fruits with him. God said, bring the best of your first fruits to the soil of the house of the Lord your God. You know, in Israel, they lived day to day, year to year, for those who actually were planting things, if the crop didn't come up, then no one ate. Or if the livestock didn't produce new generations, then they would starve to death. And so when they saw the earliest plants with the fruit appearing, then they were just filled with such gratitude because when those little buds came up, it meant that a new crop was gonna come. And so they would mark the very best of them, the first fruits, so that they might give them to God when they were ready. And when the little lambs were born, they would take the very best and mark them to bring them when it was time to God. The celebration of first fruits was one of the most joyous times of the year. People would have parades to bring everything to the temple. There might be an ox with a crown of olive leaves on its head and there would be people playing flutes and tambourines and singing songs as they went to the temple and the the very rich would bring baskets of gold and silver and the very poor would bring willow branches. Whatever it was that you had, you just joyfully brought it to the Lord because you made it. You made it another year and that was worth celebrating with one another and with God. You know, I feel like we have kind of gotten away from that. We have forgotten that when we have an opportunity to give to God, it is not one more obligation in our life. It is a joy to give to the Lord. It is a celebration. The Apostle Paul was trying to find a way to express just how incredible what God did through Jesus Christ was. And this is what he wrote. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. You see, Jesus is God's first fruit. God tied a little reed around him metaphorically. It is this symbol that because of Jesus, because he gave of his life, because he rose from the dead, a whole new crop of humanity was gonna make it. They weren't gonna have to die in their sins. Instead, they would be raised up to new life with him. And you know who they is? It's us. It's all of us. We do not have to fear 
death. We have nothing to fear in this life because it goes on beyond this space because we have a God who so loves us that he refused to leave us dead in our trespasses. And all it says we have to do is believe. We believe and we begin to see it. We believe that our God is speaking to us and we begin to see it. We believe that we can rise out of this death into new life and I promise you, you will begin to see it. Things you never thought possible. Miracles, resurrections. You know, sometimes we see instead fear and scarcity and all that is wrong with the world around us. Sometimes we give way too much credit and attention to the dark. But God, but God continues to speak into our world. God continues to see far more in us than we see in ourselves and in one another. God has great dreams for us. God has great dreams for this church. You know, many, many years ago when Matt and I had just, I had just graduated from seminary and we were going through this process of figuring out how to give to the church. Our pastor preached a wonderful sermon about tithing and and to us, we were so poor at that time. (laughs) How poor were you? We were so poor We couldn't even afford a Christmas tree. I've shared that with you that year. We had this new baby. Matt was out of work. We were living in this small town. There wasn't a great place for him to get a job. And uh, so it was just my little paycheck. And um, yet, but God, right? We began this process of figuring out how we were gonna give generously to the church and be a part of what God was doing there. And we couldn't quite get to that tithe yet, but we gave what we could, and little bit by little bit have worked through the years to increase it. And the interesting thing about it was, we've never missed it. It's just one of those things at the beginning that goes to God, those first fruits. Because the truth is, a lot of times, especially now when we run out, it has more to do with what we're doing with it than it is that there wasn't enough. But The joy, the joy of getting to be a part of what God has done in each of those churches, and it's still a joy to me. It is a joy to see all the ways in which God has shown up and built this community, and so I'm excited. I'm excited to get to be a part of that. We asked the Generosity Committee, which is the group that has been responsible for preparing the stewardship campaign, they asked the leaders, those who are part of committees in the church, to, as an example, go ahead and turn in their pledge card in the last few weeks. And so to date, they have done so, and they have raised more than $450,000 in pledges just among that group of leaders here in the church as they have led the way. And next week, those of you who are part of this faith community um, get to be part of what God is doing here Many of you have received a pledge card, and so we're gonna do something a little different next week. We are gonna make it a bit of a celebration. We're gonna have a parade. We won't have an ox um, with a little wreath around its head. Uh, I don't know if we'll have a flute player, but we had someone who offered to play the tambourine, so we'll see how that goes. But we're gonna do that. We're gonna get to celebrate what God is up to. We're gonna be reminded 
that God does all these things independently of us. God doesn't wait for our permission to act. God is acting. God is moving among us. And God has a future for us. I pray that you will receive that invitation to be a part of it, even if it's not financially. Maybe it is just a call upon your life to give more of your time, to find a place where you can plug in and volunteer. Maybe for you it means really investing in being the presence of God here in this congregation, showing up, committing to be here every week. Maybe you have the gift of prayer and God has called you to pray for the people of this church. Whatever it is, I know that God is inviting you and calling you and I pray that you would be willing to go all in and to offer it gratefully, joyfully, and see what God might do with it. Let us pray. Gracious God, I thank you. I thank you for the ways in which you continue to speak life into all of us. I thank you for the times when we thought there was no way forward, but you, God, you showed up and you covered us and you forgave us and you loved us and you offered the first fruits of your son, Jesus Christ, the one in whom our hope lies. I pray that we would continue to be faithful with that gift, that we might continue to go out into the world and share the good news of Jesus Christ, not only with the people outside these walls, but also with all of us too. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more about The Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org.